Hey everyone, and welcome to episode 22 of Platform Enterprise, the show that platforms radical solutions to our living crisis. I'm your host, Rachel Donald, and for those of you who don't know me, I'm a writer and a journalist. You can find my work over at www.platformenterprise.com, where you can subscribe to get my newsletter and this podcast delivered to your inbox every week. On this episode is Jens Trier, COO of We Make Change, a volunteering platform connecting skilled volunteers from all around the world with social enterprises. We discuss the politics of volunteering before taking a wonderful left turn into whether or not Scandinavian countries are as progressive as us lowlanders believe they are. (laughs) I had such fun speaking to Jens. His heart is absolutely in the right place on all things social. So don't forget to give us five stars and leave a comment to let us know what you think. And then please head over to www.platformenterprise.com to subscribe. All right, everyone, without further ado, here is Jens. Jens, thank you so much for coming on the show. Well, thank you for having me. I'm delighted to be here. I'm delighted to have you. (laughs) Um, So please tell us about We Make Change, what the organization is uh, and what its mission is and what your role is in the company. Sure. Um, So We Make Change is a social enterprise registered in the UK but we work globally and we use the, like, the digital age that we are in, especially now with um, COVID, which is of course a horrible thing, but it allows us to actually make a greater impact, we believe, since everyone is offline now. And um, so the purpose of our organization is to enable anyone anywhere to use their skills to make a change, to support the causes that they care about. And um, it was started in 2017 by James Sancto. Uh, he's the co-founder and he was an NGO um, consultant. And he was wondering how or how, why is it so difficult for people to find a way to, to actually use their skills to make a change? Uh, normally, when it comes to, for instance, it's very um, funding based. So even you, you either rely on the government funding or you rely on private donations. So he thought about how can we find a way where people can use their skills uh, and donate their skills to, to a greater cause. Um, so we are again, we're based in, in, in the UK, uh, and, but we have, well now we have 22 national communities around the world uh, wow. who are part of sort of like the movement of, of making change. Um, so that sort of adds to the global aspects, but we also have uh, over 20,000 people in our, uh, in our database of change makers from more than 100 countries around the world who have wants to use their skills to, to make a change in, in the world. Um, so, so that makes us very global, uh, I would say. Uh, and my role is that I'm uh, the chief operating officer and I work very close with uh, James, the CEO, and I oversee like day-to-day operations um, making sure all the internal processes are are in order so we can get our projects uh, up and running. We are launching a project every day that people can volunteer for. And uh, we've been launching around 140 since last summer. Um, and we have at the moment around 400 um, social enterprise members. So wow. that's a bit about me <laughs> and we may okay. change. Okay, so, so, so a couple of words um, stuck out there. Uh, skills, 
projects and volunteering. Mm-hmm. So is this the kind of thing where like people sign up to help like specifically in a task and in a role or is it is it like a job board? You know, what's mm-hmm. <laughs> what are the details there? So I would say that the, the, the platform that we have, that is We Make Change, uh, the website, is, has sort of three aspects to it. So uh, the individuals page, so that's for people like you and me who want to use our skills to make change. Um, we can sign up and get notified every Monday from newsletters what's been happening the past week, uh, what are the new projects you can join, what are the stories you can read, like our case studies about change makers who've made a change um, for some of our members. Um, but they can also go every day uh, to a website uh, under a projects page to find new projects. Um, so that, that's the individual part, the, the volunteering part. So it's volunteering. So people sign up to be volunteers for social enterprises. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Right. Okay. There we go. And the, the second part of um, the, the project? The second uh, aspect is like that relates to the social enterprises. So um, they can sign up for free uh, to become a member and then we just review them to make sure that their values align with ours. So we're working with the sustainable development goals. Those are a compass for, for, for us. Um, and once they've been approved, we usually um, get back to them within 24 hours. They can create a project. And creating a project is usually just the organization itself is the project. So whether the organization is needing help with web development or marketing or business development, anything, any kind of skills you can imagine, um, these organizations can can launch a project and get skilled volunteers for those skills. But all all of these um, positions are uh, always can always has to be remotely performed. Um, so all everything you see on the website is is remote. So it doesn't matter where you are. Um, there is always the opportunity to, to, to make change, especially because when, now you mentioned volunteering, traditionally I would say, um, it's, at least that's my impression, volunteering always relates to you do something in your local community, but it's oftentimes not very um, skill-based, so it would be more like perhaps, well, it's a bit skill-based if you're uh, helping with homework, for instance, um, but you can also work in a suit kitchen, for instance, um, so we want to take it a bit to the next level and focus like the skills that you have from, for instance, where you went through university, but you can just become a lawyer. Uh, you can use your legal skills to, to make a change because um, that's also very valuable. Um, so, so we are trying to get a bit away from also the bit traditional volunteering um, to, in order to make a greater impact. I think that's really interesting um, because typically what I've seen with volunteering uh, and I don't want to say the wrong thing here because I think, well, first of all, studies have proven like if you volunteer, you're happier, you mm-hmm. have better mental health, it's better for your community. But there does seem to be um, a lack of skill-based volunteering, which I think therefore doesn't attract um, every kind of person that maybe only has a couple of hours to spend a week, but really, really want to do it in a highly impactful way um, that uses the the best of themselves or they can give the best of themselves. You know, there's a difference, I think, between being a lawyer and have, giving a couple of pro bono hours a week and then mm. going and standing in a charity shop and, you know, ringing up the till whenever somebody comes in uh, to buy a piece of china or whatever. <laughs> so it's a, it's a really, really interesting concept. And I think th- the numbers speak for themselves. You know, how many change makers do you have signed up now? How many volunteers? Um, at the moment, we have just around 24,000, I would say. 
there you go then like people are yeah. obviously responding really 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 well to, to this initiative um so what do, what do volunteers get out of it then barring the you know it's good for your soul type <laughs> feeling um well it depends a bit of course on on who you are and what you want to to gain from it so the majority of the people that we have signed up and who are joining our projects are uh, mainly university students or young professionals uh, mainly so we also have senior people who want to make a change um, but what we believe these people want to do is um, grow the network uh, get to use their skills practically get experience because you always have this debate like oh i need so many years experience yeah. to, to get this job and here's a way to, to get the experience but since we also work with social enterprises there's also the opportunity perhaps possibility to be able to um, be hired by one of the social enterprises that you are uh, volunteering for in the longer run because a lot of these social enterprises are still in the very early stage um, so being a social entrepreneur a lot of people already know this it's a lot of work no pay mm -hmm. <laughs> so that's why growing the impact can be very difficult and a lot of people think often in terms of like oh i need funds I need i need fundraising that's the only way i can get the skills that i need to grow my impact is that that's just the money is the only question but or answer but there are different like value propositions i would say um for instance if you if you donate 10 euros uh, to an organization that's fine but if you are for instance a graphic designer or a lawyer um, and you donate an hour of your time that can be much more worth than those 10 euros uh, mm. because you you're using the expertise and the uh, organization is learning from this expertise and they're also getting something uh, very concrete out of of such a session um, so i think the understanding of, of of value has to be changed a bit as well um, but to get back to your question, I think what most people want to get out of it is either growing their network and uh, developing their skills, also soft skills, and getting experience, or it's simply wanting to make change. And, and then there's the, the feeling that you can see your impact so, so fast. Uh, since these social enterprises are in this early stage um, and you're doing a specific you know that what you're doing is kind of crucial and makes makes a change in this organization but also for the world and how would you define a, a social enterprise because that's not exactly a non-profit is it well it, it can be be a, a non-profit um but we kind of use um so there's this organization called social enterprise uk um which is usually most countries have this sort of association that is like an umbrella for a lot of social enterprises in the country and they have some very good um, definitions or like criteria for being a social enterprise that we usually kind of refer to when when also social enterprises or people that i'm talking to on a day-to-day -day basis like refer to because i also have been talking to to organizations who are like i have this product and but i i want to want it to be more social i want to have i want it to have more of a an impact so we focus a lot on this being mission driven um, and some of the, the criteria, so to speak, um, that the Social Press UK has um, are that your business has a clear social and environmental mission that's set out in its governing documents, um, or you're an independent business and earn more than half of your income through trading, or you're working towards this and 
you are controlled or owned in the interest of your social mission, you reinvest or give away at least half of your profits or surpluses towards your social purpose, uh, or you are transparent about how you operate and the impact that you have. So those are some of these criteria or like um, directions you can go to be a social enterprise. But it depends a lot again on the country because um, being a social enterprise is also a lot of a mindset. In some countries you can't officially be a social enterprise like legally. Uh, so you are a company, but then it's, it's your, like your governing documents that defines you. And it's also the people in the organization that defines that you're a social enterprise. It's what you do with the profits that you make. Um, so, so we think it's much more of a, of a mindset. It's like a bit of a hybrid of a, of a company and an NGO, uh, in a sense, but with, without all, all the focus on, on, on the profits that the companies may have in, in the capitalist world, so to speak. And without all the hurdles and, and um, sort of bureaucracy and, and funding reliance that you will have in an, in, as an NGO. But then what if somebody signs up? What if a social enterprise signs up and they do make a lot of profits and they're just looking for, um, you know, volunteers? Like, is there a, a process in place to, to double check that? Yeah, we have a um, social enterprise members team. Um, so every time we get an application in, they sit down and review it, uh, go mm -hmm. through the website, social media, and all the information that also is provided in the application form. Because in the application form, the um, organization has to um, clearly specify what is the uh, challenge that they're addressing and what is their solution to it. Um, and then what SDGs are they directly working with? So we assess these organizations specifically um, on sort of these criteria that we have um, to make sure that this is an organization who align with our values and that we can sort of approve of. Um, so of course there might be some organizations who will may claim to be social enterprises or maybe I guess the word would be greenwashing, <laughs> in yeah, a sense. Yeah. Uh, but or we, oh yeah, uh, that's a new one for me. But um, we haven't met one of those yet. Um, but we're we're trying to 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 be as critical as possible, but also of course as open as possible, uh, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. I mean, you have to take risks, you know, with mm -hmm. it, with any change. That's kind of the definition of it. Mm. And. You've mentioned, you know, capitalism a couple of times while, while you were talking there. What do you think the role of a volunteer is in a, a capitalist system? And do you think that we will always depend on volunteers or is the idea to eventually get to a, an equitable system where, you know, the right kind of things are, are funded and people get to work for, you know, the people they want. That might be my vision that I'm projecting there, but uh, tell, tell uh, me what you think of that. I think it's an interesting vision. I mean, ideally all companies in the future are social enterprises. Um, so all, all companies have a social mission. Um, that's not the case now. Um, there are these measures taken on how to, to make big corporations now speaking of capitalism more responsible like the corporate social responsibility certain mm. countries also have specific laws that if you earn discount or have this amount of revenue you have to do this and this and this uh let us know what you've been doing like 
good mm. for society during the year. That actually leads me a bit to our third aspect of the platform because that's mm-hmm. for companies. So we focus on employee engagement. That's a part of our business model because we are a social enterprise ourselves at We Make Change. So that is supporting, in a sense, corporations by creating CSR schemes for them and their employees. What's, um, um, what's CSR? CSR, corporate social responsibility. Okay. Um, so, so we do CSR schemes through volunteering events. So we engage employees in companies to, to use their skills to make change for organizations that, depending on the company, it may be specifically the company, like a specific department of the company that decide what skills they care about. Um, but it can also be that they ask the employee specifically participating in such event, what causes do you care about? Because companies also have an interest in their employees being engaged, especially now with working with working from home, where you have a bit more time and you start, at least in my case, start questioning, oh, what's the meaning with everything? Uh, yeah. And it is very expensive for companies when someone decides to, I'm, I'm going to quit my job. Like, I'm done here. Uh, I found out that the company I'm working for is not making an impact the the skills that i have and i'm using every day is just making money from some for someone else um so companies are interested in becoming more social or finding some uh corporate social, social responsibility solutions uh and we are offering that as a part of our business model um so that these people don't quit their jobs and find something else to do it's very expensive for companies to lose an employee so so we really want to engage them through what we do while making sure that the employees are actually and the company are making a, an actual change for the um, social enterprise members that we have at we make change um, so because we also think that a lot of companies make up csr schemes that don't necessarily make an impact and that are very expensive for the companies and we think that those money could be spent better and more effectively by us facilitating it for them and making sure that they will be supporting organizations that we have approved through the process that we have when, when organizations sign up for a website or a platform. Could you give an example of a CSR scheme that you uh, recently worked on with a company? So we're still in a bit of, a, of, an, of an early stage, but our, I can talk about the format because we've been testing and doing, we're doing our format uh, every month um, through something called a change day. I can give you an example of the first that we had. This was in um, November and we call it the environment change day. And then we had three of our social enterprise members participate and they all had something, some great impact on the environment somehow, depending on what they did. One of uh, them has a platform that's collecting all sustainable and responsible, ethical companies that you can buy from and then they're based in Norway so that's their focus market then there is another one that is that has an app-based video game teaching children about uh, endangered species around the world and all the profits that you well, you can make money kind of through the game I haven't played it myself but any mm-hmm. money that they raise are going to charities that are addressing um, these issues with endangered species and then the last one is um, is based in India and they work with uh, indigenous communities that are creating um, sustainable products and then have a platform where they can sell it so they can make or they can have sustainable work and then this platform um, then distribute that to to eventual or potential customers anywhere in the world 
and their profits are also reinvested into the fund that support this uh, community. So on that day, we, um, we had changemakers from our database from around the world coming using their marketing skills because we had a task for the day and that was help these social enterprises create a social media campaign. So the changemakers applied and they said, or they could choose different skills and then describe what their expertise was within marketing. And then they could choose what, what causes they care about within the environment. So it's like, is it air pollution? Is it the oceans? It can be anything. And then we matched those um, with the organizations that were participating and put them into teams. So they were working together on a team with other change makers and the social enterprise on the day, creating, well, it's a bit limited how long you, or how much you can create in around two hours. Um, the event itself is around four hours. So it's a bit more than two hours that they had in that event, but they could sort of create the framework for, for a um, social media campaign. And in some cases more related to, okay, who's your target um, customer? Like who, who is it we really want to, to reach out to and, and help with that. Um, and then at the end of the day, they were then presenting to everyone who was participating in the event, like what does this team do? What did this team do? And what did this team do? do? And then we did a matching in the end. So if there was through a form, if there was a mutual interest, we will connect them to work together beyond the day, which a lot of them actually did. Uh, so mm. they've kept, they felt a lot of, they felt very invested uh, in this because, oh, we already started working on the framework and I, I now I have a great idea of this product and I really want to mm. like see it through to the end. So um, that's like an example of, of the scheme that, that we've been doing. And we've been doing one, we're doing our third one on the 20th. So now we're in talks with different companies about doing that CSR scheme. So I changed day with them as well. So just so that I can understand, because it's still not um, clear to me how the, the, the CSR days or schemes apply to companies. Like, is it you ask companies to give their employees time off so that they can volunteer on social enterprises? Um, do you connect companies in social enterprises how exactly does, does it work? Yeah, so a company would then get in touch with us, make an inquiry, and we'll have a sort of consulting with them about what, what do you want to do? Do you want to have multiple uh, days you want to uh, engage your employees? So it would be, for instance, a regular Tuesday where you take time off the work and then the employees uh, work with We Make Change on that specific day and with those social enterprises. So we figure out what does the company, what causes does the company care about? And then we make a short list of different organizations that we're working with. And then the skills, because that's very important, the skills that um, the company is offering. Then we shortlist the organizations that have those causes and need those skills. And then the company decides who they want to work with. Then after that, it's basically having the employees sign up through our form so we can put them into different teams. And then if we do just one day, for instance, four or five hours, then that's the event. And that's... Mm. Yeah, so, so that's the people show up on a regular work day and then they do the volunteering instead. They do the engagement and the company makes a, a difference and they can also brand themselves to have made a difference. Mm. So it, it will be a part of their CSR schemes, a part of the CSR budget that's allocated to to make a change. But a lot of these companies do all, already have some sort of sustainability in the mindset, but they want to get further in that they want to make a bigger change somehow but it can be difficult figuring out how to do that so that's that's really interesting and that makes me think of some of the principles of like the the circular economy actually mm. because you're offsetting volunteer costs onto for-profit companies that want to be more engaged in helping m make a change in the world mm -hmm. and so 
they're essentially enabling their employees to take time to go and volunteer for for some enterprise or for some organization that mm-hmm. that has exactly that their their core mission. It's really interesting, and and there are people, there are companies that are interested in that. Exactly. Um, so oh. we are in in this different talks. We actually uh, did one with with a law firm in the UK. We matched the law firm with an organization that were working for causes that the law firm cared about. And then we got the details from the social enterprise about what help they would need uh, based on the expertise of the law firm. And then we had a matching session, a uh, one hour Zoom call where we got everything set up and they got to meet each other and discuss different um, legal things they would need to support with. Wow, I'm amazed that there are um, so many companies that are that are keen to, to do something like this. Although, right, I do have a difficult question. Okay. There is a necessity to be seen as greener, as mm-hmm. woker, as more progressive in the corporate world as well. Mm-hmm. So do you think it's possible that some companies would use these initiatives to offset like that requisite sustainability um, i.e. give their employees for one day a month to go off and volunteer rather than making the necessary changes within mm. their own company structure? It's an interesting question. I think that issue will, will remain, but I've, I believe that the more companies are open to, to finding greener solutions or like focusing more on the CSR and how they can be more sustainable is becoming a bit more of a popular thing. So uh, my personal background, uh, I grew up in Denmark and then I've lived in Sweden. And in Sweden, it's like sustainability is is very popular. Companies talk about it. They think it's very important. All the municipalities in Sweden, there are more than 250, I think, they all work with sustainable development goals and all the work that they do in the municipalities. So it, it is really a thing. If you're not into the SDGs, then there's a bit then there's kind of something wrong with you. That's a bit like mm. the, the, the idea of it. Um, but we, we, we believe that through at least some of our solutions, we can inspire um, organizations and companies to, to, to think about the impact they can make and, and they can get inspired by the people that they get to work with. Because I believe that a lot of companies are a bit stuck in this old capitalist corporate world, that this is just how it is. It's very mm. black and white. It's like either you make a change or you just have a company because we do need companies. The question is just always like the type of company, but we always need companies. For instance, again, my background being a Nordic citizen, the welfare state doesn't pay for itself. The money has to come from somewhere and that's usually the private companies. So we can't just say, oh, let's get rid of them either. But we have to find a balance in between. We have to think about a way to to promote sustainability and to promote that you can have an, an awesome company. Uh, where you might also make some profits, but that's also making an impact. And I think the impact is where the focus needs to be at first. And then at some point, I believe that, um, I also believe that these these people who work for these companies will maybe stop one day and be like, I'm not gonna work for this company if I'm just earning money from someone else at all times. If, if, if I can work someone else, if there are emerging a lot of social enterprises that I could work for around the world, why would I work for a huge capitalist company where I'm earning money for someone else? Why would I do that? Mm-hmm. So if there is like a trend in society where more and more companies have a social mission, then big corporations have to believe that, have to think, well, we have to do that as well. Otherwise people will not work for us. A lot of young people really want mm-hmm. to see this change and you can't deny it. The young people are the future. <laughs> That's just how it is. 
and mm. I, I hope we can empower a lot of more young people in, in, in the world. It's a lot of hopelessness among young people and we, we want to change that um, somehow. And one way we can start changing that is volunteer a little bit. Uh, hopefully that can make some change, but you, you, you learn a lot, you get the experience and it strengthens you as a young person to, to figure out where you want to go in life, but also inspire people to, to perhaps become more innovative and think that I can take the change into my own hands um, instead of just going, doing what my parents did, work at nine to five for some huge corporation. And, and if you ask liberal people, they will be like, the market will always solve solutions. Well, if the markets, but if the market says sustainability is fashionable, that's the thing people care about. The market should change. And there's nothing those people can then say. Because <laughs> yeah, it will be their own argument. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But the thing is, like, and what we're seeing now, you know, is a lot of greenwashing. Like, yes, sustainability mm -hmm. is the trend. Um, so we were talking about the article I wrote on paper just before we hit record. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that that's an analysis into the fact that the worst thing that we can do with paper as a resource is use it for um, disposable and one-use uh, solutions like packaging. Mm. And yet the sustainability trend is so anti-plastic that it's turned to paper without, you know, really understanding um, all of the research behind it. So exactly. the market definitely doesn't fix everything. I think we're agreed on that. Yeah, we agree. Um, <laughs> and the logic that the people who believe 100% in the market will be like, oh, well, hopefully the market will then turn to more sustainability. And yeah, then just, it's served. It's, it's so funny <laughs> when people try to like separate all the different parts that make up a culture, like the politics and the culture and the economics mm -hmm. and the, you know, the social reality and then think that, you know, this like Frederick Hayek, I just I only learned about him recently, the guy that invented this whole or mm. theorized of the market as a mind um, and was Margaret Thatcher's favorite uh, economist. There was another economist. I think his name was Keynes, maybe in the UK. Yeah. Was more like, yeah. He was more always like, oh, public uh, investments. That's the future. And it's like we, we rely on this one person who's like, I had this idea and did this calculation. That's going to work. And yeah. I don't think yeah. it's that simple. No, of, co of course it's not. Oh my God, like no one person should be allowed to make decisions. That was the whole point of democracy, <laughs> if anyone has forgotten. What's that again? <laughs> I actually, I want to ask, um, because the company we make change is, is, you know, set up in the UK and you're global and yeah, but you're based in um, the Nordics, which we look upon as this mystical place of equality mm. and progression. Um, from down yonder, how are the cultures different? How do the cultures respond differently to something like volunteering in, say, the UK, which is an example of neoliberalism gone mad, um, and then Denmark? <laughs> yeah, I mean, the UK is always interesting um, mm. in yeah different ways. But one thing I learned, because I did live in the UK for a while, was that Volunteering when you're a university student is very normal uh, in mm -hmm. the UK, especially for something that makes some sort of impact, whether it's local volunteering, bettering your community. And I think that's a good thing. You also see it in the United States that civil society really care about, uh, like every Sunday or every Saturday, every weekend, you go out and do some sort of change in your local community. 
the change that you perhaps would expect your state to be doing. <clears throat> yes. And that's <laughs> but that's where it comes into the picture, the Nordic country. So, so I grew up in Denmark and um, I, I studied law when I lived in Copenhagen. Um, I quickly went away from that. But where you would volunteer there is for the organizations or the student associations um, where you could help maybe doing some research on legal things, legal stuff, all that. And maybe you could volunteer for an organization who would give, provide legal advice to get some experience, which is a good thing. But generally, if you do volunteering in the university in Denmark, it's not very social impact. Actually, I would say volunteering in Denmark is very much focused on like your local sports club, like being a coach or something like that. Mm. But social impact volunteering is not really a thing because there is this mindset that I'm paying this amount of taxes. I live in a welfare state. Therefore, the state should do it on my behalf. If I walk the street and I see a homeless person, I'm, people are like, why is this person homeless? Why is state not taking care of it? I'm paying my taxes. I don't know, don't have to help this person. This is interesting. But does that mindset not work quite well? Like, isn't it that, you know, homelessness, um, income inequality, gender inequality, all of these things are just much, much less of a problem in the Nordic states? Is that not correct? Uh, it's very difficult to see because like the Nordic states are actually very different from each yes, other. In some way. <laughs> yeah, but no, no, I understand where you're coming from because like the Nordic states are, we have this cooperation between the Nordic countries from before EU existed that as a Danish citizen, I could live anywhere one of the Nordic countries. They couldn't say no to me if I wanted to move oh. there. I had that right. Uh, free, freedom of movement, no passports between always been or since the 52, I think that's been the case in Nordic countries and kind of the same structure of the political system, like the welfare state, you pay your taxes, paid ed education, uh, paid um, social security. So if you go to doctor, it's, it's free or you pay a minimum fee for it, depending mm. on the country. But but values actually I lived in, I moved to Sweden. I'm also a Swedish citizen and Sweden and Denmark very different from each other when it comes to equality and also I would say mindset towards immigration instead of directly saying racism. Um, <laughs> if you okay. take Denmark for instance compared to Sweden, Sweden is known as like this humanitarian, big humanitarian state that's taking all the refugees in the world and they're very feminist and blah 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 all these things and very like focus on SDGs and personally I love it. I am super like uh, humanist, like liberal, whatever people will call me. <laughs> I think it's important because I studied political science and like human rights, democracy, all that. I love that stuff. But the attitude there is like, it's normal to call yourself a feminist in, in Sweden, no matter who you are. And there's always been work politically for equality since the 1930s. It's been incorporated that, oh, there is this issue that back, in that, back then women would be um, relying too much of a, of a husband. Like if you, you couldn't get divorced because then where would be your, your income be? You were depending on a husband, even though your relationship would be horrible, you would, there would be domestic violence. So mm. the politicians in Sweden started thinking about how can we find a way to also reward people who are doing domestic work that's unpaid. There's always been the mindset towards, let's make it as equal as possible. Let's make it a norm that people also, if you have a child together, that do you, you take equal amount of time at home? In Denmark, it's very different. 
people in Denmark don't consider themselves feminists. It's it's not a thing. Like being a, when you say the word feminist, people think that's something crazy in Sweden. Like we don't need this. We don't need any legislation. We don't need any debate on this because it doesn't exist. Gender equality is perfect in Denmark because everyone is equal by law. That's the argument. So focus on countries where in out in developing world who has gender issues. That's where you should put your your energy if you're a feminist. Don't mm-hmm. focus on it in Denmark. And I think that's very surprising that people are very stuck in the past in Denmark. Mm. And in Sweden, it's super progressive. It's like, oh, we need to do, we, there's so much more to do. And all parties, except one, the parliament in Sweden are like, oh, we are feminist. We're working towards a feminist agenda. Sweden has a feminist foreign policy. It's amazing. <laughs> also in Sweden, most people you would talk to generally would be like, well, immigration is good. Immigration will help Sweden evolve, uh, evolve, evolve as a country. We need Im- immigration. People don't have enough kids. So, and there's also a bunch of jobs that also need someone, someone has to work for the welfare as well. Like there's a majority of the population are getting old and retiring. Who's going to pay for that, for everything? You have to work for the welfare. There's this attitude. But Denmark is like, let's exclude as many as possible. We don't want any immigration. The, the foreign or the Ministry for Integration right now in a social democratic government in Denmark is actively saying that the ideal number of asylum seekers to come to Denmark is zero. And no. they should get their applications processed in a country outside of Europe. Now, another thing that relates to, to citizenship, acquiring a citizenship in Denmark is probably one of the different, diff- most difficult places in the whole world to get it. Because I applied for citizen in Sweden, citizenship there. I lived there for some years and I've also paid some taxes because I had a job there. And um, the process is then like, it's um, through, you apply through the system and it's, if you're a Nordic citizen, this may be a bit easier because you already speak Swedish because the languages are close to each other. Um, okay. But it was someone who was sitting at the like migration office, looking at my case and making a decision. In Denmark, you have to do a test and you have to get onto a law legislation, like a legal legislation. Your name has to be on a law every year. There's people on one law and then the parliament has to vote for that law. And oh once God. they have voted through that, you are allowed to go to a municipality on a specific uh, citizenship day, shake the hand of the mayor. If you don't shake the hand of the mayor, you will not get the citizenship. That's long. Oh my God. Exactly. <laughs> then after that, you can get it. But now some parties are discussing in the parliament, we should have two laws, one for everyone else and one for specifically people from North Africa, Middle East, Turkey and Pakistan. Okay, so screw Denmark. Exactly. So <laughs> so they can vote no for that law. So people with background in those countries will not get the citizenship, no matter how much they try, even if they've lived their life in Denmark, the whole like their whole life there doesn't matter. You cannot become Danish. And people wow. don't talk about it because it's like Denmark is so progressive. Denmark, Denmark, Denmark. Yes, we allowed women to vote in 1915, like before Sweden, for instance, who did it in 1921, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so it's like Denmark's super progressive, not so much in reality. And it's it's a shame. But now I think I got off track. No, but this is, this is interesting because it, it all links back. Don't worry, we're all going to link it back. So what do you think are the differences culturally between Denmark and Sweden that have allowed for this chasm of difference to open up? Oh, it's a very good question. I think Denmark's just become very populist uh, like there is always votes and being anti-immigration especially when you mm. think about so you're from the uk for instance it's very multicultural there i lived in london it was super multicultural and I personally i loved it i think it was mm. great 
Denmark, I think 8% of the population are not white Danish people. So 92% of the population are white Danish people. And they still believe the biggest threat to the whole country is immigration. Right, okay. And that's the focus on all party, of all parties, so much that the Social Democrats took over the racist parties, the Danish People Party's politics, and are actively doing those policies. And people are voting for it, so it's the biggest party now by far. Um, but it's like something you would never see in Sweden. But why? I, I Honestly, I don't know. I have an idea, but I don't know specifically why. It's, it's interesting to talk to people in Sweden, uh, like just a regular person, an ordinary person. Of course, there is a growing right wing in Sweden as well. And Sweden also have the most uh, neo-Nazis in all the Nordic countries because they feel like they're not being hurt. Like the Swedish Democrats, who are like the most racist party in parliament in Sweden, who are still less racist than the Social Democrats in Denmark, mm. got get around 20% of the votes, which is still, it still like means that 80% of the, of, of the country don't want to deal with them. Um, but they're being shut out in the parliament. Like None of the parties really want to work with them because they're like, we don't believe in racist policies. We believe in human rights, democracy, and everyone has to have equal treatment. But ordinary Swedish people, it's somehow like very sensible people, I guess. It's always like, well, democracy is important. Human rights is important. Equality is important. Why wouldn't I want everyone to be equal in my country? And... I, yeah, I cannot explain it. It's just okay. very, very different talking to a Swedish person and talking to a Danish person because a Danish person would be very opinionated and say, Sweden is very politically correct. I'm allowed to say whatever I think. And Sweden don't have freedom of speech because I cannot say racist stuff there without being charged for something. All right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. So let, let's take Sweden as the example then. A, a democracy done well. A high taxes. Uh, the state provides. There's, um, there's no minimum wage though. Am I right? Yep, uh, it's a, a lot of people believe that Nordic countries yeah. have a minimum wage. There is no minimum wage by law no minim- in any, any Nordic country. Right, okay. So, but you then one imagines that if you don't need to have minimum wage written into law, that you have a culture where, you know, corporations take care of their employees, that the, the social responsibility is put onto them rather than the legal responsibility. I mean, it's, 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 it's always negotiated by confederation of companies and then they negotiate with the unions representing the workers. So it depends on the industry. So every third year there is a negotiation between those organizations. So the union will, of course, represent the workers and then they, they, they will negotiate like the minimum wage and okay, also mean- like vacation and all that stuff fantastic then Mm. so it's like an ongoing dialogue because obviously Mm. you know things change and needs change and wow that's awesome um back to the volunteering then because as you said (laughs) like people walk down the street no it's really really it's really good to have all of this context people Mm. walk down the street in sweden and be like okay well that's not like why is the state not looking after that person why is the state not fulfilling that role mm-hmm. generally do you think that the state does fulfill the role would do you say would you say that social problems um are more present in neoliberal societies which might make the need for volunteering higher i think what the focus has to be is finding a better balance between okay. i think I'm always I'm very centrist when it comes to Nordic policies. <laughs> I, I I do think welfare state is good, um, mm. but it can also be too big, and not effective enough. Because um, I think if you ask me, the the ideal would be that we have the volunteering attitude that you see, for instance, in the United States, 
mm-hmm. that people feel that oh, I have a responsibility for my community or to mm-hmm. make my own change, not just mm-hmm. paying my taxes. But I mean, if you're taxed very highly, I do understand sort of the the attitude that's like, oh, I already did my part, mm. despite that the working week is very like in Denmark, it's only 37 hours a week. You don't work more than that oh. unless you're an entrepreneur, maybe. Yeah. Um, but so, so it's like very, that's also negotiated with the unions and so on. There actually might be some legal stuff from the state related to the work week, but I don't remember and I'm not sure. But I think that having a balance between that, oh, I can volunteer and I want to volunteer between like, but I also want to pay some of my income to, to, to the welfare so everyone can so we ensure everyone has a good education. Everyone can get help from the doctor if they're sick or something like that. I think that's ideal because the Nordic countries may seem luxurious, but they're not perfect. And they need improvement when it comes to this this issue, I think. Yeah. It's such an interesting point of debate because indeed how do you foster that sense of community where people want to look after others or want to help others at least but not Mm. because it's a necessity not because it's a failing of the state but because there is a genuine community present and people Mm. feel the social relations to one another i feel like that's kind of the the bottom line of of modern politics like we're all kind of coming Mm. around to like oh that's the issue (laughs) (laughs) whether it's corporate social responsibility individual social responsibility governmental social responsibility like how do we take responsibility for one another going forward to ensure that everybody is a high quality of life everybody has food to put on the table and everybody has access to opportunity and oh and the planet doesn't burn yeah because i don't think that necessarily the whole state should be doing like take the sustainable development goals all the states in the world or everyone in the un uh so what is it 193 or 95 state member states anyway signed off of these like these aren't great these sustainable development goals but that doesn't mean that the state should be carrying out all of them by themselves i think there needs to be some sort of mix and i believe that companies have a role here and Mm. we really see that through social enterprises then there's of course a debate again back to the politics so the state has has a very strict way of functioning very bureaucratic but it treats everyone equally then there's the NGOs um, who are like kind of a bit outsourced from companies, depending on which mm-hmm. kind of, or sorry, from the state, depending on what kind of what kind of NGO they are. So they, they may do some some tasks, but their resources may be very limited, and they have a lot of also bureaucracy in a sense. But they're also very transparent, so that's also a good thing. But they're not so effective, while companies mm-hmm. social enterprise can be very effective. But the social mm-hmm. enterprise question is also like, but we shouldn't rely too much on the social enterprise either, because how do we ensure that? So, so the enterprises will treat everyone equally. So there's like this interesting, like I think there's an interplay between these, like the private sector, the, the government, and also like the third sector. You can't just put the responsibility on one because then it will never happen. Absolutely. And also I think what you're at, like what you're correctly pointing out here is that there's an underlying culture that needs to be addressed. You know, why would we worry that the government wouldn't fulfill it adequately or why would we worry that suddenly social enterprises might not have everybody's best intentions at heart mm-hmm. like if we have a community if we're in a if we're in a society living in a community the 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 dream is quite simply one where people are willing to do right by one another exactly um that's why i think uh we make a change is such an interesting proposition because 
you're trying to normalize this idea of reaching out and helping others and being mm -hmm. a part of others ability to do good in the world and you're aiming at the you know the corporate side of things you're aiming for social enterprises you're also helping young people get skills during a global pandemic which whilst yeah not every young person has access to mm. the skills because they need to work to put food on the table for example for many 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 people it's a great opportunity and one that i really really applaud um because you're opening doors in a time where most things are completely shut down so that's what i really like about it i mean <laughs> Obviously, no system's perfect. Um, my personal concern would definitely be this idea of like offsetting, you know, sending your employees to, to go and volunteer rather than looking at one's own um, corporate responsibility. But the fact that you tick so many boxes and you're trying to kind of create this circular system that feeds into one another and empowers people and raises awareness um, is a really, really interesting proposition today. Thank you. <laughs> you're welcome. I also feel like it's just like natural human instinct almost to, to as we are intelligent beings to care about other people and to to also like make a change for, for other people and i believe all cultures would have that same mindset yeah you would think oh <laughs> <laughs> well, you we would uh, and this is but this is the thing you know i think it all starts with um the individual if for example you, one's own behavior isn't to look after others and to do right by others and to ensure the health of your community before all else why would you expect your state to be doing that yeah and yeah. It's, it's the cliche of like be the change i mean it's, yeah. it's really like uh be the change you want to see in the world is kind of true in, in a sense yeah. because everyone can make change i would say we usually always say that we make change there are like three things you have to think about to become a change maker <laughs> it's always like what 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 are the causes that you care about? Mm. What are the skills that you have to make a change? And how much time do you have, for instance, on a weekly basis to make this change and then go out there and do it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, everybody has value, mm -hmm. um, some more than others. But generally speaking, if you're the kind of person that thinks about these things and, and, and wants to help, there's mm. your value already. Exactly. Um, so yeah, go find people that you can work with. And on that note, where can people find We Make a Change? They can find We Make Change at wemakechange.org. So We Make Change is like all in one. And mm -hmm. yeah, so that's our platform. And they, they can sign up, but they can also sign up if they're a social enterprise and wish to get some help growing their impact. And again, it's free of charge. So don't worry about that. And if you are in a big company or something and you're, your company is doing CSR, uh, inquire with us to see how they can make sure that you can make change as an employee. Awesome. Uh, who would you like to platform? Trinity Heavens from Aero 92 Creative in Uganda. He's working with youth empowerment and trying to teach skills to, to people in, in Uganda, digital skills that are needed. So it could be marketing or graphic design, things like that. Um, skills that are needed from the whole world. So he's trying to put Africa into the next generation, so to speak. Uh, very interesting, interesting guy. And yeah, I think he's doing a really cool, cool job with his organization in Uganda. Great. I will look him up. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. And yeah, thanks for coming on the show. This was really, really good fun. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, me too. Thank you for having me. Pleasure.
Hey everyone, you can find the links to We Make Change over at Platform Enterprise. So that's www.platformenterprise.com. And don't forget to subscribe to receive these episodes straight in your inbox every week. Thank you so much for supporting the podcast. It means the world to me. I'll see you next week.